I am just going to go right into my message this morning. I, and, and the reason I'm going to jump right into it, because I really believe God has something to say for you this morning. I don't want to miss it. I'll, I'll give you announcements and stuff at the end. Turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 12. We're going to finish our series off this morning on, on God's will is whatever. And we're going to talk about what basically we've been singing about all morning. And that's being transformed. And we're going to start right in, right in verse 1 um, with, with what Paul is encouraging the Romans to do, but I also believe we need to start reading this. We need to start reading these verses for us. They weren't just written to some um, thought process or some faraway city. God's word is written for us today. And so as we, we begin to read verse one, I want you to, to personalize this this morning as you read it. And so when Paul's saying, so dear brothers and sisters, where brothers and sisters are, put your name. And, 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 and personalize what God's calling you out to this morning. And Paul is saying, you know, dear Gene, I'm begging you to give your body to God. Because of, not because of who you are, not because of some religious activity, but because of what he's already done for you. And he says, Gene, when you get this, let your body be a holy sacrifice to him because he makes you holy. And he says, that is what he finds acceptable. That is what's good to him. And then he says, Gene, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into the new person I've created you to be. Into a new person, changing the way you think. Then you will learn what God's will is for you. And as Sean just prayed, and as we prayed this morning, that's when we find out what is good, what is pleasing, and what is perfect. And I'm going to stop right there for a second and just pray. Because that is my prayer for us as well this morning, as well as for myself. I woke up, I told him this morning, I woke up this morning singing a chorus from a song that basically is just saying, I always have a reason to praise. It says he's the God of the breakthrough when I'm breaking down. I still have a reason to praise no matter what's going on. No matter where I'm at, God is with me. How many of y'all believe that this morning? Okay, let me ask that again. <laughs> How many of y'all get that this morning? Get it down in your belly. And, and I, I, again, I know you guys, some of you guys got sporting stuff on this morning. You can't wait for the football game this afternoon. And I can guarantee you don't sit there like this watching the game. Yay. <laughs> no, you're more, you're more emotional when they're losing because you're yelling at the TV saying, pull this guy, throw him out. But yet we come to church to the creator of the universe, to the guy who came and died for us and sit there and say, okay, I can't raise my hands because somebody might think I'm weird. I can't get excited about what God's doing because that's just not right. This is the one place in all of culture you should be able to get excited. Thank you. And so as I'm reading this and I'm going through it and I'm saying, okay, God, you're with me no matter what. I'm going through some battles, God, but I know you're walking with me. I know that I may be walking through some junk, God, but you said you're with me in Psalm 23. So I know you'll never forsake me. You'll never let me down. But we live a faith-less life thinking God isn't who he says he is. And this is my Bible. I'm sorry I ain't got one for you, but that's what's up on here. And so if we believe he is who he says he is, and he says, I can part your Red Seas, do you believe him? 
or your storm's too big for your God. See, we got to get a bigger picture of God. And that's what worship is all about, painting a big picture of this is God. When we were singing, I could sing of the goodness of the God. Were you singing from your belly, God, you are good at all times? There is no time you are not good. Even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear it because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And I love the next part. He sets a party table in front of your enemies and says, you are the guest of honor. I want them all to see who you are in me. See, we got to start living it out like this is true, that God's word is true. And when I started reading Romans 12, 1, and yeah, this is all I got for notes today. There ain't much because me and God had a long talk all week. Paul is praying that we get it. Paul is saying, if you just get this one thing, if you just get this one thing, it'll all make sense. That what Christ has done for you is greater than anything you could do for him. So all you have to do is understand who he is. And step one of living out your whatever is surrender. I'm going to bookend this whole series with that thought process. Your whatever starts at the cross of Jesus Christ. When you find out who you truly are. Not who you think you are. Because God said you are a holy sacrifice. He says, be holy because I am holy. He said, you're a royal priesthood. I mean, these are God's words to you. You are his masterpiece. There's never been another one like you. Do you believe that in your belly? Because when you believe that in your belly, guess what? You'll come to church and you will be excited. You will go to work tomorrow and guess what? You will be excited because there ain't nobody else at your job like you. We got to stop being conformed to culture, worrying about if we're going to offend culture and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. See, in the message version, and I, I, some of the verses, yes, I love how the message says it because it's so simple. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and rocking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And then he says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. How many of us go in to places and we fit right in? You ain't supposed to. You were never meant to fit in. Yes, we were called to be, live in the world, but we weren't called to be part of the world. Because heaven is our home. This world is not our home. And so, as I, as I was studying just that first verse, all of a sudden I came across Samuel 15, 22 as a cross-reference to that. And it says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, with an exclamation point after it. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering of the fatter rams. See, yes, I am excited that you all are here, are here this morning. But I am excited, and as we prayed this morning, we are excited because we want you to experience God. 
not because you checklist the religious activity. Do we need to answer that? No? Okay. Um, we don't want the checklist. We don't want to just go through the motions. A friend of mine, we used to have those discussions all the time. Too often we can get so comfortable with our Christianity that we just start going through the motions. And that's why I prayed a lot on this message because, again, if you know me, I like having my three points. I like knowing what I'm going to say because I know some things can come out of my mouth that just shouldn't. So I am trusting the Holy Spirit a lot this morning. <laughs> we need a lot of those. Um, <laughs> because here's what Proverbs 21, 2, and 3 says. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. So see, God, I had to do this this way this morning. Why? Because I'm trusting that God is trying to tell you something this morning and me something this morning. And so I could have come up here with my three points. I could have taken the time and wrote it all out. But God is saying, no, I just, I want you to get this. I want you to understand that the whatever that you all have been given, and it's different for all of us. That's what I want you to understand. We're not all built the same. We're not all made the same. We're not, God doesn't want robots. He doesn't want cookie cutters. He created you the way you were with your unique personality to be exactly who he called you to be to fit into his body to build the body of Christ. And that's why y'all are so important. And when you're not here, you're missed. It's not because we're worried about you're off somewhere. It's not because I can't believe they didn't show up to church this Sunday. What were they thinking? Why isn't church important enough to them? It is because we cannot function unless we become who God has called us to be as individuals, and then we come together. Now, you put me on the piano, Sean on the drums, and we're going to let Aiden play the keyboard, or play the guitar. Can he play it? Yes. Can Sean play the drums? Probably not at all. I can play a few chords on the keyboard. Are we using the gifts that God has given us to give you guys the best opportunity to worship God? No. We know our roles. We step into what God's created us to be. It's not because any of us couldn't learn it. All of you have talents that come naturally to you. And God has given you those talents. And then he says, take those talents I've given you and, and refine them. Make them better. Practice. Like if I play guitar, guess what? i got to practice. If I don't practice, yeah, I can go through the motions. But I'm not really worshiping God with it. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing as I'm doing it. And when Jesus asked us what the greatest commandment was, because yes, he's asking us as well, what's the greatest commandment? Again, remember, we're personalizing this word this morning. And so when Jesus said, Gene, what is the greatest commandment that people should follow? Now again, you've got to remember what Jesus did at this time and what the answer given to here totally blew the minds of every religious leader of that day. Because they had set up 300 rules to follow just to try to grow close to God. And so when Jesus comes up and says, no, here's the greatest revolutionary statement, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and all the prophets, he says, hang on those two commandments. 
So you want to know what your whatever is? Love God with everything you are. And through that love, you're going to start loving your neighbor. But here's something that's coming to a, as just a revelation to me. And I've talked with it with people about this a bunch. I cannot love my neighbor if I don't love myself. See, some of us got to get back and get rid of trying to love other people so we can love ourselves and start loving ourselves so we can love other people. Because that only lasts for so long, don't it? When I'm feeling bad about myself, I can only fake it for so long until I eventually just say, zip it, you big baby. <laughs> it's my personality. But see, when I learn to love myself, I now hurt when someone else is hurting. I now can have joy when someone else has joy. Why? Because it's not about me finding happiness because I found my happiness in the cross and the empty tomb. I found my happiness in understanding that I am God's masterpiece. I am his creation. I found my peace and happiness and joy in the fact that, guess what? No matter what I do, he is always with me. No matter where I go, he's right beside me. And as, as we think about it, and I'm going to steal this from Randy Ruiz, when, we, when he was talking the one night we went over there, he said the funny thing about the storm, when, the, when he sent the disciples out and the storm came and they were all freaking out and Jesus comes walking out later, it says he was watching them and he was going to walk on by. Jesus is watching you in your storm. You are not alone. All you got to do is cry out to him and he will be there. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what your past has done, Jesus said, I have taken your sins as far as the east is from the west, throwing them into the deepest of seas, never to be remembered again. Now, the problem with that is, is, is we like that th theology, we like that thought process, but how many of us live it out? Or when we're sitting by ourselves and we're not reading our Bible and we're not connecting with other Christians, do we sit there and the enemy starts to lie to us and say, I can't believe you did that. You're never going to change. You're always going to struggle with that. You're never going to overcome that. Oh, you've said that before and nothing's happened. Those are all lies straight from the depths of hell because Jesus said when I died on that cross, I carried every sin, I carried every shame, I carried every guilt and forgave it. He said, it's done. So that means it's finished. So we have got to learn to bury the past and leave it in the past. And live in the freedom of the truth. And the truth is a person and his name is Jesus. See, Jesus was tying the Old and New Testament together when he made that statement. He said, you guys know this, but I'm going to tell you this. He was illustrating the difference between the old covenant of just religious activity and the new covenant of his blood as a sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus showed up and he showed off. He started meeting people where they were at. He said, I know you're a sinner. That doesn't surprise me. But I must still love you. And what happened every time Jesus did that? People's lives got transformed. They could not stay the same when they came face to face with Jesus. And when we come into church, I'm expecting to come face to face with God. So when I leave, I'm a new creation again. Because to the day I die, God can constantly transform me into a new creation. Because he is the God of creativity. Just look at all creation. If he's made every human in history different, how can you not say he's a creative God? 
I mean, there's what, six billion people on the planet right now? And not one of them has the same fingerprint. Think about that. A creative. I can't make two songs that don't sound the same when I'm writing a song. I might get one that I just to totally on purpose, just throw a totally weird rhythm to, and then the third song sounds just like the first one. So our God is a God of creation. See, Jesus displayed that obeying God meant loving him with his whole heart in this thing and loving people. It meant getting face-to-face -face with that paralyzed man right after what he said there as his four friends brought him and set him down and tore the roof open to bring him to him. They set him down and Jesus came face-to-face -face with that paralyzed man and said what? Y'all know what he said? Exactly. He didn't say you're healed, stand up and walk. He said your sins are forgiven. See, that's what y'all need to hear this morning. Not that you're healed from something. Because when your sins are forgiven, healing is the natural outcome. When we understand our past is forgiven, our struggles aren't as big a deal. Because we know whose we are. We know we belong to him. See, God loves people more than he loves religion. That's who he died for. He didn't die to start a church. As hard as it said to say, he didn't die to start the AG. Now, some people will tell you they did, but now nah, I'm joking. Besides that, Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. It wasn't Rome, so. Jesus changes everything. When you read scripture, it is still upside down to culture today. What Jesus did, how he lived, how he loved. It's not about what I want. It's not about what y'all want. It's about what God says. See, we got to stop trying to figure this out and just believe he is who he says he is. Surrender to him and start following him. When we read, when we read um, verse 2 on this, let me get it out of the message. Um, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. He said, I, I will transform your life. Basically, and I, this is something I did write down, is the goal of Scripture isn't merely for information. It's for transformation. See, we need to remember that when Jesus came, it's not enough to just learn the words he said. It's not enough to just believe even. Because it says in his word that even the demons believe. I'm pretty sure I ain't going to see them in heaven. Just saying. But they believe Jesus is who he says. If you, if you go back to the story and, and read of the, the guy in the garden or in the, in the cemetery who had the legion inside of him, the minute Jesus showed up, what happened? Yeah, they got afraid and said, Son of man, what do you have to do with us? See, when Jesus shows up and you get uncomfortable, good. Because Jesus coming face to face convicts us of what we're doing wrong so we can become what's right. So don't run from it, run to it. Step into it and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we need to understand we got to learn to love and live the truth as well as know it. See, we, we need to, as one song I listened to by Bizzle, is, is we, we got to just not get into the Word, but we got to let the Word get into us. See, we got to let it get into our hearts. we got to let it get in and understand that the greatest knowledge we can have starts here with our heart, not here with our head. 
Because our head will lie to us. It is good at it too. Our feelings will lie to us. I can be happy and excited now in about an hour I can be upset. My feelings will lie to us. Well, they lie to me anyways. And then I'll lie to you and tell you everything's okay. Um, as we talked last night, we got to learn to be real with things. See, if you want to figure out what God wants from us for, or what your whatever is, we have to change the way we look at things. We can't think it through from a human point of view. Because if all we do is think it through from a human point of view, we try to manipulate God to try to do what we want him to do. We need to let our minds be transformed because, the, again, the word says his, his ways are high above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. And so I know I'm not that smart. And as I've told you before, I'm just dumb enough to believe God is who he says he is. And so some of us just got to get to that. We got to quit thinking we're smart and get back to being dumb and just believing God is who he says he is. I think that's why Jesus said, don't suffer the little kids to come to me, because if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you got to be like this child. See, a child, if you've ever had one, they will trust you to do anything. Why? Because they trust their father and their mother. I've given you the story before of one of our kids who climbed up on a ladder. I said, get down. They turned around and just jumped, knowing I would catch them. They just trust. They just have faith. They just are joyful. We got to get back to that and quit thinking we all proper. We got to just get back to saying, okay, God, I trust you with this. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know you got this. See, the delay in the, or the daily transformation process where we are changed into his image, into his likeness, requires us to have a mental discipline to start living it out daily. Living it out every minute. You know, it is possible to pray at all times, like the Bible says. It is possible to trust what God's saying. And like I said, I woke up this morning singing a song. I can guarantee I wasn't thinking it. I went to sleep singing a different one. Apparently, I was just going through the album, and that's where I was on repeat. Because there are some songs that will touch our very heart, that will change how we see things, that will change how we feel, that will get us excited. Pray those. Pray his word to him. Because Paul goes on in verse 3 and says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself that you're any better than you really are. And then, once you understand that you're not any better than you, you really are, he says, be honest in evaluating yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. See, don't worry if you're as good as the next person. I don't have to worry as if I'm as good as Sean. I got to worry if the faith God's given me if I'm living up to that. And so stop measuring yourself by other people. When we measure ourselves up to other people and we think we don't live up to their standards or we're not doing what they think we should, we lose the contentment that Paul talks about. Because comparison is the biggest killer of being content. Because there are other pastors that are better speakers than I am. <laughs> I know, you, you guys are partial, I get it. But I just know they are. I know there's some that are more um, you know, exciting, some that are more this, some that are more that. But guess what? I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And hopefully as I grow, he makes me better at what I'm doing. Because I have to be me and you have to be you. But see, again, you, and, and this is where he goes down and says, in his grace, God has given each of us different gifts for doing certain things well. 
So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, then serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showering kindness on others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Now, that, by what I read, says none of our gifts are more important than any other one. They all function as his body, and they're all needed. I've told you the story when I used to work. At one job I used to have, we would have people who would look down on another job. And I'm like, would, if, if this person was not here, would you do their job? No. Well, then be thankful they're here. Because they're doing that job you don't want to. Which means they're just as important because if they don't do their job, I can't do mine. And see, in order for us to be the body that God has called us to be, we all have to step into that together and do exactly what God's called for us in this body. You want to see rice in that 10-mile circle transformed? Then we have to become who God's called us to be as his body. Not a bunch of individuals just running around throwing cards at people which I do have new invite cards. That's why I threw that one out there. Grab some on your way out. We got 500 of them. Scatter them wherever you need to. See, when, when we become and understand that God says, he takes the next step if you jump down to chapter 14. I got a few minutes left, so I got to get moving. If you jump down to verse 14 in Romans 12, he says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray for them. And then be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And there's an exclamation point after that, my version anyways. And then he says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. Instead, he, and this is, this is the last verse that I'll cover this morning, and then I got just three quick points. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, and I love this part, <laughs> it's like heaping burning coals on their head. See, they get convicted when we show them the love of Christ. And that's what Jesus did. To those who attacked him, he prayed for them. To those who scorned him, he loved them. Don't let evil conquer you. And this is the last verse in chapter 12. But conquer evil by doing good. See, there are people that aren't going to agree with you. But we don't have to get defend, defensive when we know whose we are. See, that's how Jesus did what he did. Besides the fact he was God. <laughs> he knew who he belonged to. He knew where he came from. He knew who his father was. He said, yeah, I know my daddy. You don't stand a chance. Because this is what he said about me. And so we can love people who don't love us because we're not living for their approval because you've already been approved by Jesus.
when you've accepted his forgiveness. So real quick, how do we become transformed? You seek to receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in your life. And so if you want to become transformed, that is the starting point by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Stop fighting the battle on your own. Stop thinking you can overcome it by some 12-step program. Nothing wrong with any of those. Do not hear me wrong. But I know the greatest transformation of the human heart in history is Jesus. I am a standing testimony to that. So, why do we need that transformation and that power of the Holy Spirit? Because without it, I couldn't do this. I could not go through the frustration that is people. You couldn't go through the frustration that is me. Anytime we hit a rough spot, we'd get we'd start arguing about something. See, we need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit living in us to empower us to go do the work of being a transformed person. And when that starts to happen, you will start understanding the verse in Esther where Esther or Mordecai told Esther, you were born for such a time as this. I love that thought process, and we need to believe that. We were born right when we were supposed to be born because God's got a plan for your life. And where do we see the greatest transformation times? It's in those times of prayer. It's in that time of seeking his presence or seeking him face to face. And then it's when we take the time to worship and seek his heart. Because when we seek God's heart, our heart naturally gets transformed. 